Hi, welcome to the Access Local podcast. My name is Luis. Uh, I'm 21 years old and I'm a filmmaker. Uh, today we'll be talking about the City Council's vote against Measure U funding, North Cal resists free brake light repairs, and the people's budget of Sacramento. Hey, I'm Melissa Franco. I am a Sacramento City College student and a, a local artist. I'm Julian. I am 23 years old and I have been with Access for uh, a few years on and off now. Hi, I'm Romeo. been with Access for about a year and I'm a music educator for Sacramento and San Joaquin Unified School District. So yeah, I guess I'll start off with the brake light repair event. And yeah, there's, it's pretty much exactly what it sounds like. Mel actually went there to take photos for me because I was unable to, but I did the interviews with, with Ruth Abara, and she gave me a lot of good information and a lot of insight into what the purpose of is. The main thing that they're trying to do is avoid unnecessary confrontations with police, mainly for people of color. Because like we've all we've all seen the videos and heard the stories of people getting pulled over for a brake light and then it turns into a life or death situation with police, and and so they're just trying to get people out of that situation before it starts, um, which I think is really cool. And one thing that I found out about what they're talking about because I unfortunately there's not a ton of like data to show how dangerous interactions with police can be for people of color and especially for people of color during traffic stops. So it took me a while to find anything on it, but eventually once I like dug around a, a little bit, I found this report from the Bureau of Justice Statistics, I think is what it was called. And they highlighted that police are equally likely to initiate contact with blacks and whites. This is like the actual the actual words that they use. I'll just read it for you, I guess. Police are equally likely to initiate contact with blacks and whites, 11% each, but were less likely to initiate contact with Hispanics, only 9%. However, even though those are equal, police are almost twice as likely to, to use physical force and threats when going after people of color or when interacting with people of color versus when they're going after or interacting with, with white people. Yeah, so it says when police initiated contact, Blacks, 5.2%, Hispanics, 5.1%, were more likely to experience the threat or use of physical force than whites, 2.4%, and males, 4.4%, more likely to experience the threat of or use of physical force than females, 1.8%. So only 2.4% only of white people will usually experience some sort of physical force or, or aggression from police, whereas if you're a person of color, it's more than double likely or it more than doubles the likelihood. Yeah, it makes sense. Which I thought was interesting. And I also thought it was interesting that it was so difficult for me to find that information. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. But yeah, that's dope that NorCal Resist is doing these, doing the free brake light repairs. And they're going to be doing it again soon. September 12th and October 11th are the next ones. Are they at the same location? I'm not actually sure. Let me look. It's on their Facebook page. If you go to their Facebook page, you can see the events. It doesn't look like they have an address yet. Oh, okay. Let me see. Oh, wait. Is it? Oh, yeah. It's for the one on September 12th. It's 2850 Foothill Boulevard, Redding, California. And then for the other one on October 11th, it's going to be uh, 2860 Florin Road, Sacramento. 
And then, so what I was referring to that was equally likely is that it's equally likely for police to approach uh, a black person or a Hispanic person, or actually it's less likely for them to approach a Hispanic person, but it's more like it's equally likely for them to approach a black person or a white person. But when they, once they initiate contact, it's almost twice as likely for the police to be violent if you're a person of color whether yes. you're um, black hispanic or it doesn't say anything about anyone with an asian background or or the middle eastern background but it, it literally just says blacks and hispanics that's the only information that it gives and then the other cool thing that they had there was a they have a community table at their at the brake light repair event which essentially was just a bunch of household items stuff that you would usually find around houses but for people that are out of a job or just low income in general especially right now a lot of that stuff can be really important because of the pandemic and everything. Things like food diapers or soap or laundry or whatever else is, can be like incredibly helpful to someone in need, which I, I think it's cool that they do that. Because I, when I first saw it, how most um, organizations will focus in on one thing. So people will have community food table or a community like cleaning supplies table or something like that. They literally just had anything under the sun that anybody donated that anybody else could use, which I thought was cool. Yeah, when I got there, I asked them how the turnout was, and they said that when they first began at 10, they had a whole line of people waiting to either get their, their brake light fixed or or for the community table. So they're definitely helping a lot of people, which is great. Um, all right, yeah. So there was a proposition that had been in place that was a recommendation from the Measure U, Measure U Advisory Council, which was formed around 2018. The Measure U measure itself was implemented around like 2013. And what it is, it's a sales tax uh, within the city of Sacramento that goes to a fund that is dedicated to community projects. Mm-hmm. And in 2018, it was decided both that the amounts of the tax was going to increase and also that there would be an advisory committee that was established that would decide where that fund goes to or that would create recommendations for where that fund goes to and would be in uh, direct communication with city council and the mayor for the decisions like explicitly of where that fund would be going to mm-hmm. when the pandemic started a lot of the funding ended up going to city budget things like police and fire departments among some other things rather than to community projects and i believe this was like an emergency measure that was taken before there was like dedicated funding that was made like readily available to take from for coronavirus relief mm-hmm. so it kind of just it happened and so Basically, Measure U has found itself in a position where, like, some of its money is going towards city projects uh, rather than the dedicated use of community projects. So they were having a vote to move $15 million of those funds that are currently going to police and fire to back to, like, community projects or back to the board so that they could decide where it would go to. Mm-hmm. And city council voted against that. Uh, they've also noteworthily ignored a request that was made by, I believe, the, the Measure U committee to reallocate uh, $20 million of those funds uh, earlier this year, I believe, from police to be decided on to be distributed to other projects. So it's like 
uh, it, it scaled down from 20 million to 15 million and it was still declined. The timing was a little bit interesting because of the fires that are going on right now. And so pulling from the fire department as well as the police department may definitely seem like this isn't really the time to be doing that. But the police department itself has seen a budget increase significantly uh, since last year. It went up from $147 million to $157 million within the city alone. And uh, as I read about a few weeks ago, the county police budget has increased as well as a lot of the coronavirus relief funds went directly to the sheriff's office. So people have been a little bit upset. There have been protests and there have been meetings about the funding that's like increasingly going directly to the police and sheriff's departments in both the city and county, respectively. So this, this is an ongoing discussion about police funding. What kind of dystopian future do we live in where politicians are allowed to just do this stuff <laughs> i am inclined to agree yeah is like this, this like sorry go ahead <laughs> i'll say i feel like this was kind of like the from the beginning right when measure you started and the coronavirus hit and we started getting these pension to where it's a stimulus and we can start helping each other and it's enough money that needs to be spent within this year and it needs to help certain branches and help the community develop it's I didn't say it was like it was forthcoming, but in general, it feels it really feels like there's no you give the enemy the resources to build even more. Not saying that the police or the government is the enemy, but in general, is this I'm only I'm I'm 21. So like I'm not as versed in like things that go on in the government, especially because it's not something that I was really a part of or interested in until the last couple of years. Uh, really until like my senior year of high school but is this just a thing that always that's just always happened that government officials just say they're going to do one thing and then do another thing and like blatantly obviously in front of the people and they just and we just can't do anything about it besides protest and then the police come and shut down the protests because that's all has this always been a thing it's regular now it's regular <laughs> pretty much i've never known any different because like I, I when I interviewed Colin a long time ago, who was part of the he's affordable housing advocate, he mentioned that historically, historically, like the government is or Democrats are known for putting uh, I forget exactly how he put it, but basically like running on the, on a base of like public housing or saying that they're for public housing and then putting people in charge of public housing who are just fundamentally against it. And that just seems to be more and more the case with everything in the government nowadays. This one is definitely pretty stark, given just there were protests literally a week and a half ago against police mm-hmm. budget increases. And it's such an ongoing issue. Yeah. And since the initial wave of protests after the death of George Floyd, the killing of George Floyd, there had, the budget of the police has only increased. So... It's insane. The measure, the mayor's just taken a very direct yeah. stance against defunding the police in any way, shape, or form. Make sure you vote next time the election season comes around. <laughs> yeah, vote. Ignorance is playing a part into the opposite side that you want to help. Mm-hmm. So I recently wrote about the. Sadly, we had to keep talking about how. 
funding from the city and the county is not going to where the values of the city hold. I recently wrote about the People's Budget Sacramento. They're asking the Board of Supervisors to reevaluate the city's county and the city's city and county funding as it doesn't really represent the values of the community. The proposal asked for the funding given to the Sheriff's Department to be rerouted into local preventative services and mental health resources. MH First is a really good example as they are a community grassroots organization that can be an alternative to calling the police when violence isn't the main forte of the reason of calling the law enforcement. So the proposal was derived from a survey of actually over 2,000 people across the city and they all agreed in agreements that the city needs to rethink the money and is being presented, rethink the money that is being presented and if it doesn't represent the outcome and reflects the end goal, so why are we putting more money into it, such as law enforcement and the sheriff's department, if they are not completely representing the outcome of the end goal, that was the whole reason of giving them the funding, then why are we still putting, feeding that horse is in, in the general idea. So to be honest, on their Facebook website, actually, too, it states that the sheriff characterizes the organization as a few dozen vocal people or outside agitators, which is obviously not the case. When you look at the survey of these people from across the city, they represent who the county is, who the city represents. You start to realize that as we are talking about earlier, this doesn't really come as a shock anymore. The sheriff department is saying, we do not want funding taken away from our department. So why would you put it back into services that aren't going to help the idea of safety for the public? And that's kind of not the case because when you have local grassroots organizations, I said before, MH First, ACE, different people that can help prevent these outcomes, it's hard to... I don't know. It's really hard to get on the side of the government right now. And as you said before, the mayor. Yeah. It also, it wouldn't be the first time that the sheriff or government official is straight up lied straight through their teeth to the people. I forget who it was. I don't know if it was the sheriff or or a police captain. Or, it was someone that represented the police department, though. I saw on the news that he said that to, to a crowd of people, he said that, or actually, maybe it wasn't a crowd of people because... He was standing on a podium, but I couldn't see if there was a crowd of people, and there's probably not because of coronavirus. But anyways, the point is, he said he said publicly that Sacramento had handled the riots and protests really well because nobody in Sacramento had been seriously injured, and that we had we haven't had to shoot anybody with sandbags or anything like that. When there was literally a video circulating the internet of a guy from Sacramento who got shot in the eye with a sandbag, and his face was bleeding, and he had to be rushed to the hospital. And so, if those are the people that are representing what we're talking about it's what like it's not far-fetched to just call straight up call one of them a liar you know what i mean i feel like we're just like so desensitized when it comes to seeing injustice we just fall into like the screw the system but some people like fail to look even further into changing it and so that's what a great thing about measure uh or measure you and realizing what the funding is being about and also the people's budget because obviously Measure U did not fund what the people's values created. So we had to go to the people's budget and create a whole new kind of uh, presentation for the Board of Supervisors of Sacramento and be like, hey, we really need this money right now. Like we see there's a good amount of it to help everyone. So why can't the community get some? 
Yeah, like you were saying earlier, the money should be going to organizations like MH and ACE and people who can help prevent, I, I, I guess, crime from happening because people are being taken care of. Can you tell us a little bit about MH? I know you wrote an article about them. They're, they come whenever there's a mental health crisis. Yeah, usually Friday from Sunday or Monday, I'm not correct. They usually during the weekends for surely, though from about 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. They run all throughout the night community. No one's on payroll and nothing like that. They're all working to help diffuse situations. They don't even have to be violent. It's just situations that don't involve the police, mental health crises, or someone that really needs a person to talk to, and they don't know how to handle a situation, and they could hurt themselves or someone else. It necessarily, as I said, doesn't have to be crazy violent to where the police need to get involved but to where a community organization with trained professionals and someone leading the group in the right path can really help them and get them the the personal assistance they seek, whatever the situation may be. And imagine if an organization like this became big in our city and was just, instead of calling the police for things, like they were the people that we called. And imagine how much healthier of communities we would have if, if they were bigger and they had more funding or actually you said that they don't even have payroll, like they're all volunteers. So imagine if they got funding. Yeah, they don't even have it. And the thing that they can pursue is crazy. It's so crazy what we prioritize. We're not prioritizing, but our leaders are. Yeah, it's unfortunate too. And I don't know how many interactions you guys have had with the police, but Almost every single time I've interacted with the police, I've never been physically assaulted or arrested, but every interaction that I've had with the police has been confrontational because of them, not because of me. I'm always like very friendly and not, I'm not like joyful. I don't want to talk to them, but I'm like friendly and cooperative and they're always confrontational and they always have to talk at, they always talk down to you. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think it's just like the mental state that kind of job puts you in. It's not a good place to be, especially when you're dealing with someone calling the police for spray paint and then you show up with your guns ready to go and it's no dude it's just spray paint (laughs) like police my the last thing i was going to say is police should i feel like because of the way that they've acted lately and i don't historically i'm sure they don't have a very good track record either but because now that we understand it and we have more options and especially with the way that they've been acting lately police should only be called to violent situations i feel and they should be especially trained for that and then other organizations should handle other things you exactly know I mean? pulling over four teenagers in a car just because they're all of color isn't really right. fulfilling the job of the day that was a major thing with me and my girlfriend we are we're a little more of color than most people. So we pulled into a Coles. It was probably like 9.30. The cop pulled up behind us. There, We had at least, not even lying, five to six people in the car. All of us, Latino, black, of color, like totally just not white. And then the two people who were sitting in the middle, my homie Anton and his girlfriend, Sienna, they actually stepped out of the car. And the police officer was flashing the light. He like at all of us just checking us all out. Didn't say one word. Just hopped out of the car really fast. Not one word. Like really aggressive. Like flashlight on all of our faces. We can't see him because the flashlight. And then when my light uh, lighter skin homie comes out, he's oh, he's like you guys okay? And then he's my well we all said okay like a hundred times or what's up hello officer. He didn't recognize that until. 
my light skinned friend pretty much was like, oh, what's up? And he said, oh, you good, sir? And they didn't acknowledge the other five people in the car and then said, oh, yep. Okay. And then left. That was it. No word to anyone else. Yeah. I I have a similar story. I am sorry. Yeah, I have a similar story. And this was from even longer ago. I was probably like 14 at the time, maybe. And I'm, you guys have met me. I'm half white and half Hispanic, but I look pretty white. I could pass for white. And me and my friends were skateboarding downtown when I was younger, and we were heading to 28th and B. And the we were sitting out front of where the Hard Rock Cafe used to be before it got torn down. Do you guys remember where that is? So we were sitting out in front of there, and all of a sudden this police car pulls up. And like driving how police officers drive for whatever reason, because they all drive like maniacs in Sacramento anyways. And he, the two cops hopped out and they came and talked to us. And there was a group of us, probably like five or six. And, um, and then I don't remember everyone that was in the group, but I remember me, I had a friend who, who I think was Filipino, uh, but I'm not 100% sure. I don't remember. I haven't talked to him in years. And then I had, uh, my friend, I I won't name him, but my friend who is African-American and he was sitting all the way in the back. He was like sitting at the top of the steps and I was sitting at the bottom and I was the oldest of this group. So I stood up immediately because I was going to be the one to talk to them. And, uh, and so I walked over and talked to them and we talked a little bit and they, I don't remember them being super aggressive towards me, but I do remember they were definitely like not, it wasn't a normal interaction. Like they definitely were suspicious of us for some reason. And, and then finally we're going back and forth and they asked us if we were like, do, if we had like markers or spray paint in our bags, cause I think they, they were suspicious that we were doing graffiti on the building and, and we're talking. And then all of a sudden the cop's eyes just go off of me and immediately go up onto my friend sitting on the steps in the back. And he's like, what about you? I saw you standing by that wall over there. And I, and I stepped in front of him and I was like, no dude, like you could search our backpacks. I didn't, I didn't want my friend to respond because I didn't know how the officers would react. And so I stepped in front of him and I was like, no dude, you can look through our backpacks. We literally only have water. That's all that we have with us. And it was just like a very like scary interaction. And, and it, it just didn't need to happen. Like it could have been a very much like an easier thing because we were totally cooperative and I offered multiple times for them to search our bags but instead of searching our bags they just kept asking us questions which only agitated both sides further and it was just like it was I was literally just like about to yell at them be like dude just look through our bags like we don't have anything literally I'm giving you permission to look through my bag and I guarantee you they will all give you permission to look through their bags like it's it it, it was just so ridiculous and it was so it felt so much like they just wanted something to happen and I was just like man go away (laughs) like just leave us alone (laughs) And it's especially scary. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Julie. Scary. I I was just gonna say it's especially scary in that situation because it's had something happened. Like, where do we go from there? Like at that point, you're running from the police. We didn't do anything wrong, but they believe that we did. And had they gotten physical or aggressive or whatever, if I stepped in front of the cop when he when he zeroed in on my friend, and then the cop was got like thought got nervous because i stepped in front of him or whatever and it's what do i do now i can't call the police because everyone's going to be on their side like i literally have to go to jail wait until until my court date and then go into my court date and try and explain how i was innocent and it's like that i feel like that's not how it should be <laughs> yeah anyways like that, that's uh, just my the biggest message of, of the whole idea of one's facing these because that's like the major topic of i guess this podcast would be police injustice and how to deal with it the correct way such as mh first the people's budget and 
realizing the first step is realizing that something's wrong and that's always i guess it's just the first step and to see a lot more people onto that track makes me feel better as a person that we're pushing towards the right uh, the right future Mm -hmm. yeah yeah definitely i had a friend that he moved to china for a bit and he said that he he'd been taught his whole life basically to be like afraid of being in china um, and that all sorts of scary things are going to happen. And he came back after the experience for a bit. And then he, he got stopped by cops for speeding or something along those lines. And he said, like, I, that he had never felt any degree of intimidation like American cops in China. Like, just, like, the amount of fear that they'll put into you Jeez. over something that like is either literally nothing or is very common it's just such a crazy contrast yeah i it i and this is this is me speaking from personal experience but it always feels like when i'm dealing with a police officer that i'm dealing with someone who wants to fight mm-hmm. and not someone who wants to be constructive and find a solution to whatever the issue is it always feels like it's someone that's trying to aggravate me and trying to get me to do something and trying to just have a reason. Like, I literally, it feels like they're just staring at you and being like, I dare you. I dare you to give me a reason to arrest you right now. And it's like, bro, just leave me alone. <laughs> I'm just trying to skate with my friends, man. We didn't do any graffiti. <laughs> Share your experience as a young person in Sacramento. If you're still listening to this podcast by this time, put your comment or whatever down below and be like, this is my experience and then like you said earlier Luis we can come back to it and share the city and the county's experience that'd be really good yeah yeah maybe that would be yeah yeah, the more we understand that there's a problem that's the first step the more we can finally come together and actually do something about it so yeah definitely tell us your experience with that's all we have time for today's podcast follow us on instagram at access local and be sure to see more of our content on accesslocal.tv thanks for listening